one microphone to the other. Was that, oh, that was sweet, wasn't it, really? Was that good or was that good? Ooh, you can say, he is the master of microphones right there. Praise God. Well, maybe you won't, I don't know. Cool. Overcoming Our Fears is the series that we're doing at the moment. This is part nine of a ten-part series. Next week I will conclude the series. And it's going to be a powerful one as well. So I might even show up for it. So it's good. So this series is designed about changing our mindsets and about uh, thought patterns that we may have aligned our worlds with uh, and, and we're not living God's way. This, this whole series is about realigning how we think uh, to align with what God says about our lives. It, it was birthed out of a foundation, the ABCs we called it, uh, where we, have the, we accept that God loves us. We just, that's, a simple, that's the A part of accept, in the, the ABCs. We accept that God loves us. The B part is that we believe that Christ died and rose again on the third day for me personally. We, we, you know, we accept that he loves us. We believe that he died for us. And C is that we need to commit our fears and our life to Christ. Because of what he's done for us, there's a responsibility on us. You know what? Some of the things that we go through, I've made it pretty well known that I hate heights. I have a fear of heights. It's, it's like just scares me, silly. Uh, it's just something that I, I don't know where it's come from, but a part of this series is helping me to dig down. And I said to you that part of that, you know, that fear is based in the fact that I don't trust God enough to look after my life when I'm in a high place. I don't think he can, you know, that he paid the, the builders of the building enough to make it a good job so that it wouldn't fall to pieces when I'm standing on the top floor. I don't believe that that's what God could do. But you know what? I've discovered God can do th- great things. God can do amazing things. And I, I just want to say to you that he's worth trusting. He's worth giving your life to. He's worth committing your life to. And, uh, you know, as we go through this series, maybe, uh, and we've been through this series, there might be some things that rise up, you know, that they, they well up within you. And you think, why have I got that fear? Well, I can put you some, uh, some resources your way, recommend some books, some studies, or some people that you might like to sit down and talk with. Um, sometimes, you know, I'm not the best person to come and talk to because I'll just tell you to suck it up and get on with it. Um, so that's not the counsel some people need, apparently. Uh, I'm learning this in life, but that's cool. Um, so I can recommend some really good people that won't tell you that, you know, here's 50 cents, go and tell someone who cares. Uh, they will actually help you to work through this stuff, all right? So just want to lighten up, all right? <laughs> cool. There you go. You okay? You relaxed? Has it been a great morning so far? This side's really responsive. This side, I, mean, I don't know, like, <laughs> it's been a good service so far. Well, they're getting there. What do you reckon? Okay. How you guys going? All right. See, love that. There we go. One of them over there is really awake. Okay, here we go. My question to us this morning is, what does your garden look like? Now, I'm not talking about your garden at home. I'm actually talking about the garden of your life. The garden of your life. Our relationships, our responsibilities, our commitments, our problems, and the things that are growing in all of us. No doubt, like me, you have got a big garden with a lot that's going on. And at times, it seems like our life is out of control. Now, I want to preface this, this, 
message that Jane and I have not spoken about what we're talking about, other than Jane knew that I was going to be speaking on fear again, but I've not told her what type of fear that we're going to be talking about this morning. And her communion message centered around not only victory, but understanding that God is in control. And my topic for this morning is how to address the fear of being out of control. I think God is definitely saying some things to some people this morning because there's different you know, ways that uh, we, we think about losing control. There's generally different, three different styles that we will use to manage our lives. The, the, number one, there's the control freak. Are there any control freaks in here? Don't put your hand up. Okay, control freaks. It, it's the management type of style, you know. Uh, they've got the biggest calendar that money can buy. They go to bed at the same time every night and they get up the same time every single morning. They exercise for 40 minutes a day. It only takes 20 to burn fat, but they're so organized that they can get 40 minutes in. Every night they give each of their kids 15 minutes of undivided conversation. The average parent only does 7.5 minutes, but they're so organized that they can do 15. They believe that if everyone could just get onto a tighter schedule, that life can be controlled. So they go about some bizarre measures to control everything and everyone. And this, of course, eventually means that either their wife or their kids end up on Oprah or Dr. Phil. That's their style. They're a control freak. Secondly, the, the second person, the method of, of controlling our lives is the shortcutter. Okay, their life's basically out of control. They know it, but they try to, to overcompensate by speed and savvy. Okay, uh, they're always working the angles. Okay, they realize that if they procrastinate long enough on one thing, they can get something else done. And if they're really lucky, they can get back to the first thing that they were supposed to be doing in the first. And if not, that someone else might pick it up for them anyway. They manipulate a little, and they they can uh, as much as they can get you know some things done. They're they're always trying to work the angles. They're trying to stay ahead of the game. Uh, their life's going at a thousand miles an hour. Uh, it looks like they're uh, they're they're in control, but they're actually not. They're a shortcutter. There was one time uh, I, I, I took a shortcut in my garden once. Uh, it had been a while since I'd mown the lawn and, and it had been growing fast. And you know how you get the grass seeds coming up when you know it's a little bit long and you get the grass seeds there? Well, uh, that was happening in my garden. I also had apples falling down from my apple tree and they were on the, gu- the ground as well. So I, what I did, I, I raked all the, uh, the apples and the leaves and stuff onto my lawn. I got my lawnmower out and I thought I'd do the lot at once. I just mulched. The- I had apple sauce everywhere. It just like, you know, it's a, phew, it was out there, you know what I mean? I thought that was really great. Six months later, I had apple trees growing on my lawn. <laughs> it's going to catch up with you if you're shortcutter sooner or later, okay? Then there's the last person, the, the last group, okay? They're, they're the binger and the purger. Uh, their life is out of control. They know it. They go with the flow, uh, thinking, why even bother trying? They've got areas of their lives that are completely undisciplined. They, they let it go until it's so bad that they feel like they've just got to purge. So they go to church or a conference and, and then they get the act together. And then the next few days, they're a control freak. Okay, They just they nail everything down. And then all the momentum and the consequences of their past catches up to them. And now two weeks after the church, going to church or to a conference, 
their life looks exactly the same as it was before. God doesn't want us to live as a control freak, as a shortcutter, or as a binger and purger. Today there is good news. I say, praise God, there's a better way of managing our lives. To overcome our fear of losing control is not self-help or self-management, it's self-surrender. It is surrendering our will, our life, the way we want to live to the way that God has orchestrated for us to live. It's saying we can't control our lives, so we're going to turn it over to the one person who can, and he is God Almighty. I want to give us a crash course in God's sovereignty this, uh, this morning. Here's a snapshot of how big God is and how qualified he is to run our lives. You ready for this? God is sovereign over nations. In Dan, uh, Daniel uh, 4 verse 32, the most high is sovereign over the kingdoms and men and gives them to anyone he wishes. God's sovereign over people. Proverbs 19.21 says, many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. God is sovereign over circumstances. Proverbs 16 verse 4 says, the Lord works out everything for his own ends, even the wicked for a day of disaster. God is sovereign over nature. It says in Revelation 4.11, worthy, O Master, yes, our God, take the glory, the honor, the power. You created it all because you wanted to. See, we need to understand that God's sovereign over spiritual powers. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21, Jesus sits enthroned above all principalities and powers. That's in the natural realm and that's in the spiritual realm. See, God is sovereign over it all. Over every part of life, over every part of where we live. We might believe that. God's sovereign over it all. He made us, he's made it all and he's in charge. But that leaves us maybe with some questions. You say, well, if God's in control, just how in control is he? Did he just sort of like wind this thing up and now sits back in heaven sort of presiding over the big picture? He doesn't sweat the details, but he watches the big stuff. Every once in a while he reaches down, makes a mid-course correction or works a miracle and then just keeps things going. Is that the sort of control that God has? Is God really in control? We're talking really about the providence of God, okay? His sovereignty in action. When we get to a feel for how active God is, not just in the big picture, but in the details, it will knock our socks off. God is providentially in charge of everything. Providence is not Christian luck, and that's what some people might think. Something good happens to us, and we're a believer, so we just chalk it up. Uh, don't chalk it up to chance. Uh, it's God that's done it. God was provident there. It's his uh, sovereignty in action. See, that's true, but there's, a, there's more to it than that. In Hebrews 1, 11, 1 verse 3, it says, Jesus upholds all things by his powerful word. His powerful, not just his, but his powerful word. Colossians 1.17 says, Jesus is before all things and in all cre of creation. He holds together. He holds all of creation together by the power of his word. Acts 17.28, in God we live and move and have our being. So God is, is just amazing in, in the way that he, he shapes our lives and the way that he's there for us. See, God is passionately into the details of our life. The fact that the whole universe holds together that we're alive and here today is because of Jesus. Right now and at every moment, he's actively upholding all things by his powerful word. Did you know that the Bible says that all the hairs on our head are numbered? 
That doesn't mean that God knows how many hairs we have. He does. But it means that he has assigned a number to each one of those hairs. Jesus said every hair on our head has a number. That's how much into detail that God is. Jesus said a bird doesn't fall to the ground without God being involved in that. The Bible says that dewdrops don't just happen, that they are birthed by God Almighty. Sunrises don't just happen. God orders, gives orders to the morning, and he causes his sun to shine. And you thought it was just the world revolving. See, storms don't just happen. God calls up clouds from the ends of the earth. He cuts a channel for the thunderstorm and a channel for the rain that falls. This is what the Bible says. God's into storms. Rainbows don't just happen. Rainbows have less to do with light refracting through water than it has to do with God wanting to remind us of a covenant that he made in the Old Testament to his servant Noah. Bible said is that God is looking over all the details of our lives. He knows the exact number of days that we'll be alive. Not only that, he's determined the place that we should live. And we thought we went out, bought a house and made a decision. God was in the decision too. God determined the length of our days and exactly where we should live. And if we can catch hold of this truth, that God is not just presiding over the big picture, but he's also passionately orchestrating the details of our lives as well. We need to have that as a part of our understanding of who God is. That's a truth that will set us free from having to control our lives. We're not qualified to control our own life, but God sure is. God is qualified to do this. He can do it. So how do we respond to that picture of God then? How do we do that? Psalm 115 verse 3 says our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. How do you deal with that? How do you make sense of that? See, not just sometimes, but all the time, everywhere. How do we respond to that? We've got to respond to God's sovereign claims on our lives and yield control to him. As we sit here this morning, whether we're a Christian or we're not yet a Christian, we're just exploring this thing, God's got an awfully big claim on our life. A lot of who we are today, we had no say about. Okay, We were handed a package from our parents, a DNA, a way that we were wired, physical and psychological package that we can't change. The software was programmed into us and we've been running on it ever since. No amount of psychotherapy or self-help or exercise or plastic surgery can help that. We are us and we've always been and we have nothing to say about it. God's got a claim on our life and how are we going to respond to that? There are three things, three basic things that I think that we need to to do in response to God's sovereignty. Three things. Number one, we need to cooperate with it. Everyone say cooperate. I need to cooperate with God's sovereignty. I need to cooperate with it. Did God program everything and we have no free will? No, that's not it at all. 
The Bible says that God is sovereign over all the details, and yet somehow we are still a moral free agent with choice and responsibility. We have a role, a response to make to God's sovereignty. The first response is to cooperate with it. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 8 to 10 in the message version says this. He, meaning God, thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him. Everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet earth. I went to the Greek dictionary and I looked up the word everything and I found out what it meant. It meant everything. Brain surgeon right here, right here. Rocket sinus right here. You know what I mean? See? Alina knows. She's nodding. She knows. Most people think life is uncertain, but we've got good news for them. Life is certain. We may not know all the certainties, but God does. You see, you might have thought that you had sickness, but the certainty is God's our healer. I'll move on. See, God's let us in a lot of what life is about. See, we can be certain about certain things. As believers, we can be certain that life is about loving God with all our heart and loving our neighbor as ourselves. See, life is about glorifying God with our lives and sharing good news with the people in a lost world. See, we know how everything is going to end up. Jesus is coming back. Justice is going to be served and we're going to receive our ultimate and final salvation. We know that we're going to go to a party in heaven with God for all of eternity. We know God's trying to conform us to the image of his son Christ, making us like Jesus. He does it by putting us in a family of believers that we can share our gifts together with. See, this is why our Connect groups, small groups, are so important as a church. It's that we can actually do life with people together. It's where we, we might you know, come and we have a, an association with the people that we meet on a Sunday morning. But there are people here that are, are in, in your connect group are going to be able to support you, love you, care for you, provide for you when you're in a time of need. And likewise, when they're in a time of need, you're going to be there to be able to help them walk through some of the issues of life as well. We need people to hold us accountable. We need to people know that we're there and that they miss us on a Sunday morning, perhaps. You know, that we're going to have and do life together with people that care about us. Let me put it out there. Like, if you're not in a connect group at the moment and you're not a part of a connect group, Maybe, you know, like, because the times that we have currently aren't suitable to you. Come and talk to me. Let's start one in your house. I'm easy. I'm up for it. 
I mean, if you're a believer and you've been a believer for a little while, we can help you. to. Because you know what? Our connect group leaders, we don't train them to know everything. We, ask, we just simply train them to ask some good questions. Because the answer's in the room. You just need to dig around a little bit. And someone might say, well, what's the meaning of life? Well, what do you think about that? <laughs> that was hard. You see how hard that was? And they might say, what's, well, you know, 43. I don't know. It was subtle, wasn't it? Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. God also works some stuff in us through problems and storms that come and test our faith and they build our character. God's given us his word for a reason so we would know and trust his plan. There is nothing that you are going through or will ever go through that the answer is not been made available to us through his word. There's not a problem, not an issue that is going on in this world right now that there is not an answer for in the word of God. This morning there were some tragic things that happened in London again. Now I want to say that I've, I've uh, Touch base with Steve and Gina, they are fine. They are up in Oxford, they're away from it. Um, but there's some things, horrible things happening in London right now. You know what the answer to that is? The Bible says to pray for our enemies, those who despitefully use us or hurt us or say things against us. Our response to that is to pray. Pray, God, would you visit these people? who are bent down this course of action, would you reveal your presence to them in their dreams? In the name of Jesus, would you manifest your your, uh, physical presence in the room where they are in the name of Jesus? Would you bring the light of Jesus into their lives? Would you bring the love of God? They would experience a love that is so profound, so deep, so meaningful, so breakthrough in their lives. Lord, would you touch their hearts with the goodness of God? Because the goodness of God leads a person to repentance. God, touch them with your goodness touch them with your power touch them with your might lord god in the name of jesus that's how we respond to that the bible says that you know that the, the, the world will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another it's not that you love the people that are really easy to love it's that you love the people that is really hard to love get me fired up in a minute we, we need to understand that there is a response that God has given to us, and it's in His Word. Church, it's in His Word. <clears throat> Even when life doesn't make sense, and I'm, I'm willing to bet it doesn't make sense for a lot of people, me included sometimes. You just have a bad day, you have a bad week. What the heck is that about? Got no clue. Go to the Word, just encourage, worship. It's good. See, when we're in what seems like the, the, the fight of our lives, maybe God just wants to use us to display to all the spiritual powers in the world and say, look at how close that child of mine is to me. Look at how much they love me. Look at how much they believe in me and they trust in me. See, one of the, the, I've said this many times before. My conviction is this. 
that the greatest testimony that a person can have in their life is maybe that they're right in the middle of something that's going on. It's horrific, it's tragic, it's devastating in their world. It might be health, it might be finance, it might be a relationship, it might be whatever it is. You're right in the middle of it. And the testimony of your life is, Lord, I'm still standing. Lord, I'm still going to worship. Lord, I'm still going to praise. That is one of the most powerful testimonies you can have. And God says, look, see my son, see my daughter. See how they've responded to this circumstance. It's a sacrifice of praise. The Bible talks about he loves a sacrifice of praise. Why? Because he knows the cost that it's costing us, or the price that's attached to that in us giving that praise. We're overcoming the feelings that we have of being maybe betrayed, that we've, we're hurt, that we're devastated about this sickness, that our life might be coming to an end. But we're still going to praise. He sees that. It's a powerful testimony, church. See, life is pretty certain. We don't know it all, but we might know a good bit of what's going on. See, that that calls us to make two specific responses. And they simply obey and pray. To obey and pray. See, we obey in response to God's sovereignty. Proverbs 3 verse 6 says, In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. So we obey. We pray in response to God's sovereignty. Uh, Proverbs, uh, sorry, Psalm 57 verse 2. Proverbs 57, yeah, all right. Psalm 57 verse 2. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. When we obey, we align our actions to God's will and sovereignty. When we pray, we align our will and our thoughts to God's will and sovereignty. So it's about when we obey God with everything that we do and with the things that we think and think on. The fear of losing control, the stress that comes from that, comes from two different agendas that are operating. Those agendas are mine and God's. My agenda or God's agenda. They, they cut across each other. They cause friction. They, there's difficulty. There's stress. There's fear that happens in those moments. But when we cooperate with God's sovereignty and we obey and pray, just like Proverbs 3, 6 says, he makes all our paths straight. What is the greatest path that we need? We need the pathway to God. That is a straight path. Jane said it this morning in her uh, communion message that the devil tries to get us to stop looking at Jesus. I want to I put out there that the, the devil's sole role is to get you to take your eyes off of Jesus, to break your focus, to break that conduit, that, that connection that you have with God. He, want, he will do everything. He will bring the, very, the, the, the hordes of hell against us to make that happen. But I want to tell you this morning that greater is he that's in me than that's in he that's in the world. Uh, no weapon, no weapon, no weapon conformed against me can prosper. No weapon conformed against me that can prosper. Do we know the Word of God, the the sword of the Spirit? The the Word of God's been described as a hammer. Take that to the enemy. It's a fire. It burns within us. I've got to give this person a word. I feel like prophesying right now, you know? Come on. 
It's like a wind. The jail, yeah, do you see that? That's good. Stop that. You having fun? I'm having fun this one. I don't know about you. I'm enjoying this. I might buy the tape. Do you? Free. Thanks, God. We give stuff away for free. Did you know that? That's good, isn't it? You do get something for nothing at Infused Church. So the second thing, the second response to God's sovereignty is that we need to contemplate it. Everyone say contemplate. See that same sea. So we need to so sort of like, you know, like put it out there that we are going to celebrate it. We're going to contemplate it. We're going to consider it. Stay tuned. There's more. So we need to contemplate it. <clears throat> God's sovereignty allows us to relax and see the big picture. If you're like me, when difficulties strike and our life is going out of control, we will try to make two responses, anger and action. Anger and action. Anyone else like me? You can show your hands because I need some support right now. Okay, yeah, cool. When something bad happens, my first reaction is generally, what's going on here? Why is this happening? You know, and you, you, there's this flash of anger. My second response is, I want to get rid of that problem in my life. So I'm going to do something. You know, most guys right there, you tell them a problem, they're going to fix it. You know, sometimes guys, they, ladies, they just don't want the problem fixed. They just want to talk about it. I don't understand that, but <laughs> just want to talk about it. Okay. Free advice. That was marriage counseling 101 and it's just, just let them talk, boys. My email address is pastorgary at internet. And listen, oh, sorry. Uh, listen, expect, not only do they want to talk, boys, they want you to listen to <laughs> Praise God. They are, they're worth listening to, I've got to tell you. My wife, her wisdom, her instruction is just gold. So here's two better responses than anger and action that I'm trying now to actually implement in my life. Rest and reflect. When something's going through and something's happening in your world, try and do this. Rest and reflect. So, so here's an illustration. King David was traveling along at a time of turmoil in his life. Things were out of control. His son Absalom, his prince of Israel, is led an insurrection. He was trying to grab the kingdom for himself. David is traveling with some of his companions when a guy named Shimei comes out to meet him. This guy Shimei, while this little civil war is going on, is pelting David with rocks and calling out insults to David as he's riding past. He's saying stuff, you're a man of blood, you're getting what's coming to you, you've caused so much grief in people's lives and now it's all coming back on you. Yeah, get out of here, you're cursed, you're a man of blood. And Abishai, one of David's right-hand men, responds with anger and action. He says in 2 Samuel 16, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? In other words, he's angry. Okay? And then he says, let me go over and take off his head. So it's action. Okay? Anger and action. Typical man response right there. Okay? So he says, I'm going to get rid of this problem from your life. But David, 
David, a man after God's own heart, turns to Abishai and he says, sometimes you and I have so little in common, Abishai. Let's do nothing. Let's not get angry. Let's rest. Let's not take any action, but let's take a moment to reflect. How do I know that God didn't send Shimei into my life to tell me something I needed to hear? And we know the outcome because because of David being a man of war, he wasn't permitted to build the temple. So there was truth to what he said about being a man of blood. Just maybe God's trying to talk to us in the moment, in the storm, in the mishap, in the catastrophe, in the tragedy. God is trying to say something. And if we just, instead of anger and action, we took a moment to rest and reflect. Might there be a different outcome? Because I know when I've, I could probably say that 95% of the times when I've responded or reacted with anger and action, I've made the situation worse. I don't know about you. You're probably a lot better at this than me. But I've found that when I've done that, it's turned out worse. And I wish I'd taken a step back for a moment and tried to rein in my first response, my first reaction stood my ground and said, I need to rest and reflect on this. I think that there'd be a lot less damage and collateral damage in my world than there needed to be. Does that make sense? Did that help anybody? See, we need to do like we need simply to rest and reflect, not get angry and take action. I think that we just need to come to that place of just reining it in and doing that. So let's rest and reflect. Third thing, we're going to celebrate God's sovereignty. Okay, we're going to celebrate God's sovereignty. So not only are we going to cooperate with it, we're going to contemplate it, but we're going to celebrate it. Everyone say celebrate. celebrate. Everyone loves a, a party? Yeah. I love a party. Everyone love a party? As long as you're not organizing it, cleaning up after it, it's a great party. It's my philosophy in life. As long as I can walk out the door and leave it with mess everyone else, I'm cool. Okay? <laughs> I'm being honest. Do you want an honest pastor or what? Okay, that's good. (laughs) We need to cooperate with God's sovereignty and contemplate his sovereignty. But we also need to celebrate his sovereignty in our lives. We can look back and if we're a Christian and we have been through some good times and some bad times, we can look back and see that God was in control all of the way. There's been times in my life I thought, I've gone through something and I thought, I'm going to look, what happened then? And you look back and think, actually, God was there. God helped me. God gave me a word. God gave me some encouragement. God brought someone along along my life and in my world to help me to get through that. And I'm so thankful for that. uh, There's some tough lessons that we've learned and, and we're glad that God was a part of it because it worked some character into us. It gave us a bigger picture of, of God than we'd had before. So we need to celebrate God's sovereignty. As we look back over our lives, we've seen God's hand in it all the way. His handwriting is all over our lives. And we can celebrate God's sovereignty. He led us to this point safely. And he's making us into the image of his son, Jesus. So why fear the future? Why fear 
losing control. He's just going to keep us on the same program that he's got us on until we learn some of these lessons. There's a saying that, you know, it's silly to go around the hill and keep doing this and keep doing this and keep doing You're going to go around this mountain again. In other words, you go around that place, you come back to the place that you started, and we see that same issue. What I believe God wants us to do is to, to deal with issues and go around that mountain but go higher as we go to find a place of elevation, to see things from a different perspective, to see things from his point of view. So we come to the place where we're able to deal with those things in a mature and godly fashion to see our lives go uh, ahead. And we can celebrate that as people. See, some of us need to get with the program. We're not qualified to run our life. If we think that we can get it all under control... It's never going to happen for us. Romans 8.28, many people know this passage of Scripture. And of uh, Romans 8.28 says this, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Are we afraid of losing control of our lives? You see, I'm afraid of being in control of mine because I can't make good things happen out of my life. When something goes wrong, I can't sometimes see the capacity for that, but I know someone who can. It's God. God can bring good out of those things. See, today I hope that you have an image of our God that's been expanded just a little bit. Christianity is about serving a big God, not a knee-high God or a head-high God or even a sky-high God. We are serving the most high. God. We're serving the most high God who sees the big picture but is passionately into the details of our lives and he wants to turn it into good for us. And isn't it time that we cooperated, we contemplated and we celebrated God's sovereignty in our lives? And my ask, I'm going to ask you today, why not start today? Why not start today? Let's stand. hope that's helpful for someone today. You got something out of that? Praise God. <clears throat> Praise God. Just uh, if I could have everyone had an attitude of prayer, just close your eyes, bow your heads, that'd be fantastic. <clears throat> Number one, I just want to uh, pray for some people that, you know, this, this is real for you, that, that you, you have control issues. There's a, a, a trust issue, really. It's not necessarily a control issue. It's just a simple trust issue. And today, God's just put his finger on your heart about some areas of your life, maybe, where you just need to relinquish control back to him. Sometimes we can shift God out of the throne room in a particular area of our lives, and it's time this morning maybe to put God back on the throne and allow him to chart the course of your life this morning I know that there are areas in my life that I know that I need to do that in and so I would be praying you know Lord help me to do that in my own world help me to to relinquish control uh, of areas of my life so Father I thank you for your people today 
I thank you for your people. Where there are people who are saying, Lord, that's me. I want to just relinquish the control of my life. I want to hand it over to you. I pray for these people. I pray, Lord God, that you touch them in their hearts. You'd give them a, a bigger picture of who you are. You'd give them a greater understanding of what you can do. That you're not just into the big picture stuff of our lives, but you want to help us to walk through. You, you're interested in us getting a good car park. You're interested in small things of our world. Father, I pray, open up our understanding that we can see you truly as you are, as the most high God who is intimately interested in every area of our world. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that over your people. Father, I also pray for some people too. I just want to put out an appeal this morning. I don't know. We've got some people visiting here this morning, and I don't know where you, you are in the journey of life maybe, but this morning maybe you, you felt something, you, you, you heard something that says, you know what, maybe this God thing is real. Maybe there is someone who's been trying to get my attention through everything that's going on. Maybe you, you're the sort of person like I am and still working through that. Yeah, yeah, you respond in anger and then you take action. And you're in a place right now that's just messy. And you don't know how to fix it. You don't even know how to call out to God because you're not sure that he's real. I want to pray for you. If you want to just give your life over to God, I'm gonna, I believe that God would make himself real to you. I believe that God would show himself strong on your behalf. I believe that God would come through for you in your circumstance, in your situation. I believe that God is here right now and can touch you in your heart and set you free from mindsets that have kept you bound for so long. You know there's more in your life, but you don't know how to do it. You don't know how to take that first step. Well, the first step is acknowledging that you need Jesus. There are people in this room that can testify this morning to the difference that God has made in their world. Me personally, he has physically saved my life. Physically saved my life. I know that I'd be dead if it wasn't for the intervention of God in my world. There are others that could do the same. Maybe this morning it's your time to say, Lord, I, uh, I don't know if you're real, but I'm just going to put my hand up. I'm going to say, Lord, I need you right now. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I relinquish control of my world to you. Would you help me to live and to walk according to your way so that I can rest and reflect instead of anger and action? Is there anybody here this morning, you've never prayed for Jesus to be your Lord and Savior before, but this morning you want to do that, you feel that there's a need. Is there anybody this morning? Just stick your hand up nice and tall so that I can see it, and I'd love to pray with you. We've got some uh, materials, some resources that we can give you to, to, to help you in this journey. We're not going to just pray and leave you, but we want to give you something to help you in that journey. Anyone here this morning? Anyone at all?